I think if I didn't have a baby when I did, I would have sank to the ultimate low after my sister died. Because I had this cute, fat little bundle of joy who needed me every two hours. It kind of forced me to stay functioning as well as I could at the time. Hello, and welcome to Healing Trauma Mamas. I'm your host, Madon Wingo. Thank you for joining us as we share in our stories and experiences of healing from childhood traumas and birth traumas. Listen as we discuss our struggles, our failures, our strengths and our victories, and all those lessons we've learned along the way. Why, hello, Healing Trauma Mamas. Welcome back to the podcast today. Uh, I'm just thrilled to get to share all these amazing stories from all these women who've been so gracious to share their time um, with me and to come on the podcast and to impart some wisdom, share from their stories, their journeys, um, different things that that they have gone through and that they have learned and have gained healing through. And I think it's such a wonderful way that we can talk with each other, share with each other in story form, in conversation. I think that's a great way for us to be able to really just lift each other up, build each other up and, and grow and learn. And I just think that is something that we need to continue doing um, as women and as encouragers and in birth work, I, I'm very excited. I have a birth worker on the podcast with me today. She is one of the sweetest doulas I've ever had the pleasure of working with. And I am just thrilled that she agreed to come on the podcast and share some of her personal experience as well as professional experience um, with the listeners out there. So you're in for a real treat today. With that being said, Rachel, welcome so much to the podcast. Thanks, Madonna. That was so sweet of you. <laughs> I am a birth and postpartum doula here in Abilene. Um, been doing it for, I think, since 2019 now. Um, people ask me how long I've been doing it, and I usually say that I got certified in 2019, but then in 2020, I had a baby, and so it got put on hold. Um, mm-hmm. But as soon as he was old enough, I was super ready to jump into the birth work, so it's been about three, two or three years now. And I love it. Awesome. Did you, before you were in birth work, was there any other type of women's service work that you were in? No, um, not really. I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. I feel like um, I'm, that's part of what my entire story is, is kind of what brought me here is because um my experience of having my first son kind of led me to want to be um, a doula for other people. Um, I had him when I was 19 and I was not married and very not prepared. had no idea what I was doing, had no business having a baby at that point, but I did. And um, just the whole process of becoming a mother was really big and hard and I didn't know that doulas existed at that point I knew birth doulas existed and I was cocky and I didn't think I needed one so I didn't hire one for my birth <laughs> and I, I wish I, I would have but 
<laughs> it was not awful, but, um, you know, I'm just partial to doulas. I think doulas are amazing. And I feel like a doula at my birth would have been very helpful. I had one at my second birth, even though I was like a thousand times more confident. Um, I still decided to hire a doula just because learning the value of them afterwards. I was like, yeah, I'm never going to have a baby without one. <laughs> I feel the same way. On, on, I think back, like I never hired a doula, even though I was a doula for so long. Right. And helped so many different women. Like, why did I not? ever hire a doula and I remember my last birth my midwife said so does the doula get a doula and I just looked at her and I was like um no I don't think so and then later I'm like why didn't I get a doula I should have had a doula yeah (laughs) that I because you you do understand the value and you know just how much that they can bring to the table how much you bring to the table I've got to see you work a couple of times now and it has just been a thrill to see what you bring to the table and the, the value um that that you your calling is um in our work that it is just such a beautiful spot to be to be that encourager and that supporter and just just really helping the mom with whatever she needs in that moment and yeah. I just think it's it's such a beautiful, sweet calling. And I'm so thankful that you are one and that we have some around because I know for a long time there we have not not very many. Yeah. Well, that was another one too. Is this um this was in 2015. And I I'm not sure that I really knew any doulas in Abilene at that point. I mean, it was a long time ago. More and more are getting certified um, as the years go on here in town. But I didn't really That's know of any. Great. I had I had a home birth and um, my midwife was Carol Hudson, miss her. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom was training under her and Carol actually suggested hiring a doula. And I was like, no, I don't need a doula. I got midwives, <laughs> <laughs> which, um, you know, that's valid. Midwives are amazing. But I just I guess I just really didn't understand the difference at that point. A lot of the skills that a doula has are skills that a midwife has as well. And that's great, but she has to focus more on the midwifery side, more on the clinical side. Well, and exactly. Yeah. A lot of times. And yeah. when you have a doula present, then that that piece can be left, let the, the doula do all that. And then the midwife can just focus on on her job and the more clinical side of making sure mom and baby are, are safe and taken care of well. And it's wonderful. We love it as midwives. Like we love it when they there's a doula present. We're like, yes, we have a doula. Right. This will be great. It just it just kind of helps because she can be a good doula. And she but there is there is a, a level that it has to go more to the clinical side than the doula side most of the time. And so it's it's wonderful when we get to have a doula. So yeah, so let's start back that a little bit. Let's back up just a little bit more. So so you became pregnant at a young age and it was unexpected for you. Yes. And um, my mom was in midwife training at that point. So she wasn't certified yet, but I had been hearing stories about um, her classes and birth she was going to and stuff. And I, I kind of, I guess I always knew that when I had kids, I would want a home birth. And I think part of that is because my mom had me at home and my siblings at home. So she had three home births herself. And I grew up hearing my birth story and the birth stories of my siblings. And I thought it was super cool. I thought my mom was so cool. And I wanted to do that. And 
I, I didn't really have an inherent fear of birth, which I am thankful. And I think a huge part of that is because the way I viewed birth growing up, it wasn't a scary thing or a painful thing. It was like something really awesome. So I was lucky enough to have confidence to have a home birth. But also an, another huge reason I wanted to have a home birth is because the pregnancy didn't happen on my terms. It was not um, something I wanted to happen on purpose. And so I felt like if if that was out of my control, then I want my birth to be in my control and I want to have autonomy and I want to have my baby how I want to have my baby. And I want to like take back my power of my experience because I felt very out of control and like things were just happening to me instead of being an active participant in motherhood at that point. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge reason why I wanted to have a home birth and it was very long, but I did it and I was very, very proud of myself. (laughs) Good, you should be. Yes. Um, And, you know, I think I spent a lot of time preparing for labor and birth and breastfeeding and baby wearing and all that stuff. But I spent approximately zero hours preparing for postpartum and like the becoming a mother part. Like I, I just, I didn't know what to expect. And I just thought it would come naturally to me and I would just, you know, wake up and be a mom and have these instincts and intuition about how to do things and that I would be so happy and good at it. And that's not exactly how it went. <laughs> I think that's very, a very common mindset. Yeah, have, it definitely that, is. That we, <laughs> we focus so much on the pregnancy and then maybe even the birth and then the postpartum stuff we focus on is the right baby um, carrier yeah, it's, and it's the right. Yeah, it is. And it's not the, the mindset, the, the postpartum, the struggles, the things that you're going to, the body changes, the mental changes, the fatigue, the sleeplessness. It's not, we don't set ourselves up for success with that because we don't, it's like an afterthought. Like we don't think about it. Yeah often at all. And unless somebody has brought that to our attention and really tried to work with us to dive into that, it's not going to be until you, until the train is already running away with you. And then you're like, whoa, I wasn't prepared for this. And I'm no, I don't really have resources or know how to handle this situation. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, part of why it was so hard for me is because I was, I was so young I had only been out of high school for one year and I was on my quote unquote gap year of finding myself Mm -hmm. and I never quite found myself, but I had a baby instead. And so it was kind of, I was transitioning into adulthood as an independent person. And then also as a mother who's the sole provider of a baby at the same time. And I had Mm -hmm. I just, I had an identity crisis, basically. (laughs) I lost myself in motherhood and I, I kind of didn't exist to myself. I was just like a robot nanny for my baby doing the, going through the motions and, you know, not taking care of myself at all and not feeling connected to myself at all. And, um, it was like that for a really long time. Um, I kind of clawed my way out of that state. (laughs) 
after several months and almost close to a year, actually. Wow. That's, that's a lot. Were you, I know sometimes what happens in postpartum is we put on a facade. Um, yeah. It's very common, especially where a, a mom who I've been there myself that, you know, I don't even know who I am exactly. And now I'm supposed to be this person to this child and I'm supposed to, you know, be these things. And so I'm trying hard. And so then when people ask you, well, how are you doing? Then you smile. I'm motherhood's wonderful. Exactly. Well, and I, yeah, exactly that. Because like, I, I had all these shoulds that I should do this and I should not do that. I'm a mom now. I have to dress a certain way. I changed my appearance changed. And I also had a weird rash on my face, which didn't help my confidence. But um, yeah, it was a weird like hormonal rash. So that just made it all worse. I didn't feel like myself. I didn't look like myself. My body belonged to my baby because I was breastfeeding around the clock. We were bed sharing. And so, yeah, I was really masking at that point too, um, like pretending things were fine and screaming into my pillow at night. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Did I remember posting have- on Facebook at one point, I was like, why does everybody pretend that motherhood is like so beautiful all the time. Like where, where's the honesty here? <laughs> Somebody tell me something mm-hmm. real. Like tell me how you really feel about this stuff. And I got lots of comments and I was like, where were you guys when I was pregnant? <laughs> well, nobody wants to scare you when you're pregnant. <laughs> exactly. And I think my, I have an aunt who kind of, she told me about phantom cries and kind of the less fun stuff while I was pregnant. And I, I didn't want to hear it. I, right. I didn't want to listen to it. I was like, no, nah, it's negativity but it was just truth. And that's, yeah, I was going to say there's, there's a balance there because mm-hmm. there are some things that like are not fun whatsoever, you know, like yeah. when you just fell asleep and then the baby is needing you or something and like you, you don't want to get up. Yeah. You don't want to have to uh, adjust or whatever, or because there's so many things, you know, maybe you don't want to change to have a poopy. Time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you just really don't, you know, there are so many things that are not necessarily pleasant um, about motherhood, but yet the process or the child you're so thankful for, and, and that is the joy from it. I think it's hard in that postpartum. Like I remember um, something that I did was I, in the postpartum, I was struggling really bad and I ended up writing my husband a letter. And I don't even, it was numerous pages. I don't even remember how many pages this letter was because I felt like I couldn't ever fully express what I was feeling, how I was so conflicted and struggling and how I I couldn't comprehend where I was supposed to be if I didn't know who I was. Right. So I feel all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, and I remember I just furiously wrote this letter and he, poor thing, I handed it to him right before he headed to work and he read it and he looks at me like, what am I supposed to do with this now? <laughs> like he, I'm heading out the door to work. I can't fix this, you know, but it was just like, you know, when you're at a job, like maybe you have to deal with really hard things at the job, but you get a paycheck. Well, so and you get you to go home afterwards something. and not be at work. Yeah. Which is not something you can do if you're yeah, a not when you're breastfeeding mom. Exactly. I did something similar where, like, I felt like I didn't 
I, I didn't have the communication confidence or skills to like express myself to anybody close to me. And so I journaled a lot in my journal and journaling probably saved my life. <laughs> that journal has seen some very crazy <laughs> journal entries, mm-hmm. but at one point, it, this was almost a cry for help. I, I was feeling so down and so low. And so I, w- I felt like I was a little bit crazy. And I wrote a journal entry and I left my journal open so that my boyfriend at the time could read it and come to me and say, hey, Rachel, are you okay? And he just looked at it and then moved on with his day and didn't ask me if I was okay oh. or anything. <laughs> and I was like, well... That's awesome. Part a lot, a huge part of my experience was the fact that um, I had a baby with the wrong person. And I think that in itself is traumatic and just extremely hard. No matter who you are, having a kid with somebody who doesn't love you is not easy. And um, it can take a long time to come back from that. Well, I'm sure that caused stress in the pregnancy for you as well as extra stress in the postpartum because postpartum is so stressful anyways, especially, you know, when you're dealing with so many things as a new mom, but to add that on top of it, that is a lot of stress. Oh yeah. It was very stressful. And I think I I knew deep down that our relationship would not um, last but I think I was just kind of wishful thinking that maybe it would be all right. So I could go along with it and everything would be okay. But um, my son was about four months old, I think, when I was officially a single mom. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when it really started to sink in that motherhood was a very permanent thing that I wasn't quite um, well prepared for. Mm-hmm. And I think I think this is a huge problem that a lot of young moms face, teen moms or people who got pregnant a little earlier than they were hoping to, even if you're married. Sometimes just like they can throw a really big loop in your life and you start kind of questioning if it was the right choice or not but it's one of those things that you can't take back and so it's a huge dance with so many conflicting feelings like you love your baby so much you would die for them and yet also you kind of like regret every life decision you've ever made up until this point at the same time and you kind of grapple back and forth until you come to a contentness with how things have um, happened. Hmm. So in this time frame, so you're four, four months postpartum, you're dealing with extreme postpartum issues. Would you, would you categorize now with the information you have, would you say you had postpartum depression? Oh, a hundred percent. And I also mm-hmm. think sometimes postpartum depression is a perfectly rational reaction to somebody's life situation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. just wacky hormones, but sometimes it makes a lot of sense. And for me, it made so much sense that I was very depressed 
Um, how was your and support very system anxious. at that time? How what? How was your support system at that time? Oh, um, not very many people uh, did I have. My, my mom was kind of, um, she was still in midwifery school. So she was gone a lot at births and at seminars and she was traveling a lot. And my dad was working. And I thought living with my parents, I would feel like super well taken care of. But I was actually alone most of the time. My sister didn't live there anymore. My brother was like just a young teenager. And so I was kind of on my own. I didn't really, I was the first in my friend group to have kids. And, you know, a lot, most of my family members live in different cities, if not different states. So I really was just kind of by myself. Mm. That stinks. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so how did you crawl this, out? Yes. All this to say, um, I, I realized that I was going to be the only person that could help me um, feel better about life. And so I, I thought the first step would be to make myself feel like a human again instead of just like a zombie. And so I would put my son down for a nap or put him in the baby wrap and rock him to sleep and just keep him in the in the baby wrap. And I would do my hair and makeup and make myself look pretty and feel good about myself. And I would put on an outfit. And just doing that made me feel like mm. a thousand times better. Like I felt like I recognized myself again. And then, um, yeah, it just made me feel a little bit more whole every time I did that. Um, and journaling helped me a lot. I felt like when I journaled, I could say things that nobody else had to ever read and it could be as crazy as I wanted it to be. And it was fine because it was my journal. And so that helped me get through um, some of the crazy conflicting thoughts that I had sometimes. And going out and leaving the house little by little helped a lot too. Um, staying home all the time kind of made me lose my mind a little bit. So, you know, I was a Target mom, go to Target, walk around, go to the park, get fresh air. Mm -hmm. um and then also a big one was finding a community online since I didn't have a big community in person I joined a bunch of mom groups on Facebook and I made friends on the internet and they made me feel seen and heard and that helped a lot good good is there any particular ones you would recommend to any mamas dealing with um, any postpartum issues or depression or anything like that? Yeah, Postpartum Support International, their website <laughs> is full of um, mm. different kinds of support groups and they do Zoom meetings. You can actually see real faces and talk to people and it's all free. So yep. I didn't know about that one back then, but I do now as a doula. Um, that's a good website to go to because a lot of the Facebook mom ones can be a little dramatic sometimes. <laughs> Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, their postpartum, um, it's postpartum.net. And their website is just so full of information and full of help. And 
I absolutely am with you. I recommend it to anybody. And even as a, as a provider and a trauma-informed provider, like I go on there and I'm reading stuff on there all the time and in, in different groups from there too, um, just learning how to help mamas better and recognize things better and, and provide. Exactly. Well, I think a huge part of my struggle too, was that, um, I didn't really understand what I was dealing with. I didn't know I had postpartum depression. I didn't know I had postpartum anxiety. Like, I just thought there was something wrong with me. <laughs> like, just something inherently bad about me now, which is not true mm. for anybody ever. No, but not at all. <laughs> that's how I felt at the moment. Um, and so as my son got older and more independent and I could go on little trips out of town, um, I started to feel like a whole human being again. Um And it was about, my son was about two years old when I met my now husband. And um, he really broke me out of my homebody shell. And we went out of town a lot. And I felt like an independent person who has a young life to live, you know. I made up for a lot of lost time. (laughs) Nice. So your second pregnancy after your, how long was it after? your marriage um we got married in 2019 and my son was born july 2020 so it was about a year that um he was born and that is another perk to having a home birth actually with my second because it was during um covid times and i didn't have to worry about hospital policies or anything because i was at my house and so i had as many guests as i wanted and um, it was all very comfortable and and happy, even though it was a pandemic outside. <laughs> so during this, let's back up just a little bit. So this pregnancy was completely different than your first pregnancy. I know you spoke before on the first one about how feeling it was things were out of your control. You didn't make the decisions for these things to happen and you were just more things were happening to you instead of you making choices. So you felt this time you you made that choice or was it a surprise it was a surprise but it wasn't like a complete surprise so we weren't like necessarily trying to have a baby but we weren't not (laughs) so we knew we wanted to have a kid together but we weren't trying to time it at a specific time or anything so it, it was a surprise when it popped up. And at first, because of my first experience having a baby, I was really triggered, actually. Um, I kind of didn't want to have another baby anymore. And I actually wrote a, a pros and cons list about having another baby on a piece of paper. Obviously, I ended up having a baby and it was okay. But yeah, while I was pregnant, I I actually did a lot of processing about my last pregnancy and postpartum experience because it had been five years since my first baby and there's something about the hormones or something that kind of brings stuff back up into your head that you thought you processed and you actually didn't and I'm like just remembering all of this right now as I'm speaking but I did a lot of journaling and reflection during pregnancy in order to heal some of my um, wounds from the first time. 
And I think that's part of why my second birth and postpartum was a lot better because um, I didn't ignore how hard the first time was and I acknowledged it and I felt it and that helped a lot. My doula trainer actually has this phrase that she said all the time. She said, you can't heal if you don't feel. And so I actually used my like heightened sensitivity of emotions during pregnancy to um, dive back into old feelings and kind of try to repair them and like mother myself through them. Well, that's awesome. What else did you do to set yourself up for success? Because you knew and that this postpartum time was going to come again. And you, I would say, likely were trying to set things up. So the same depression and just hole that you got into the first time didn't happen again. So was your, your support system was different this time though? Yes. My support system was different. I, I had a husband and that was a big difference, but I had, um, family support and I set up a meal train for myself and I actually had lots of people bring me food. I was not expecting that, but they would Mm. bring me casseroles and freezer meals and just drop it off of my porch. And we ate for like two weeks off of donated food. And I, um, my mother-in-law would come over and do my dishes while I took a nap with my baby. And, um, the doula that I hired for this birth was actually from Austin. So she wasn't at my house for postpartum support, but we did weekly FaceTime calls. And I actually just got to sit there and like vent and talk and like exist together with her. Mm. And that helped a lot too, having like a person to um, actually talk to. And she was there at my birth and like we felt connected, you know. Yeah, absolutely. How did the birth go? The birth went really well. It was a lot shorter than my first birth was. And I think a huge aspect of that was my state of mind. Um, With my Mm -hmm. first, I was, I wasn't, I didn't think that I couldn't do it, but I was a little nervous and it took so long. And I started to question like, why are things taking so long? And um, I tore really badly and I lost a lot of blood afterwards and it was, you know, it was a hard birth. But the second one, um, I felt so much more confident in my body because one, I had already had a baby, so I knew I could do it again. But two, I felt so much more supported this time and I had a bigger uh, support system that I created. I had my husband, I had a doula, I had two midwives there, I had a birth photographer My in-laws took my five-year-old son to go play at the park and he was taken care of while I was in labor. And so the whole time I just, I felt like a princess. I was like treated like a queen and I, I went into, I always call it labor land, but I just went into the zone and I, I had my baby and I didn't tear and I had a water birth in the birth tub in my bedroom and it was a very good experience in my immediate postpartum. I um, I got up and I birthed my placenta and I was breastfeeding my baby and I got a leg massage from my doula and I took a shower and I ate Indian food and it was the best day ever. <laughs> nice. That's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, I really wanted curry because I couldn't eat it during pregnancy because mm-hmm. it gave me such bad heartburn. So as soon as my baby was out, I got curry. <laughs> 
Yummy. So the immediate postpartum was a lot better. And also the first several months were 10 times better than my first time too. So um, I had people stopping in and bringing food. I had people to talk to. And I told my my husband like a list of red flags. Like, if you see me doing this, I'm not okay. So he kind of had an idea of what I was like last time since um, this was his first baby and my second. So I kind of had to fill him in on what I went through the first time and just kind of share things that if I were to do that, that would mean I'm not okay. So like crying all the time, laying on the couch, not wanting to get up. That's a red flag. You need to ask me if I'm okay. But yeah, because of all that, the first several months of my second son's life was a lot smoother and I felt um, much more secure, I think is a good word. And then uh, when my son was about five, four or five months old or three, I don't know. I don't remember. Time is a blur because um, when he was just a few months old, my sister passed away in a car accident. And so anybody losing a family member is traumatic. But also being postpartum was kind of a big deal too. My hormones were crazy and it was just a lot to do at once. But I will say that my baby is the one thing that kept me sane. I think if I didn't have a baby when I did, I would have sank <laughs> to the ultimate low after my sister died. Because um, I had this cute, fat little bundle of joy who needed me every two hours. It kind of forced me to <laughs> stay functioning as well as I could at the time. And actually, now that we're talking about what I did differently from my first experience to my second, I recognized that I was in a, de a depression from losing my sister. And I actually sought medical help and I got on medication that kept me, it pulled me out of rock bottom and it kept me from going back in. And that's something I never tried with my first. I was afraid of medicine and with my second, I was like, you know what? There's no shame in taking medication if you need it. So I did, and it helped. And so, Good. yeah, I think that is a tool that if you need it, you should totally utilize it and not feel bad about it because life is crazy. And sometimes you need medicine to help you stay sane. Well, that's a... a wonderful outlook i i agree with you like hey you use what resources you have and if you need to go there you go there and, and yeah do what you need to do um it's way better than the alternative for sure Well, exactly and i felt a little this is such a silly thing to say but i felt kind of embarrassed and ashamed that i would like get on antidepressants like i couldn't just power through like raw dog life hard enough but sometimes you can't sometimes it's okay to accept that kind of help, you know? And yeah, there's nothing wrong with taking medicine. And 
especially the one that I was on, it was breastfeeding safe. So I didn't have to stop breastfeeding to also help myself. So that helped a lot too. Well, and I think um, you brought up something we haven't really talked on the podcast much about. We've talked a lot about birth trauma and sexual trauma and different things um, in in that realm and even postpartum um, issues. Um, But I don't think we've ever talked about the trauma of having such a close loved one pass away, especially somebody who was so young, um, which I know your sister was. Um, How do you think that affected your outlook after that, maybe talking with others or how do you feel like, like you're able to heal through that? Cause I mean, grieving is a process. Anyone that's lost a loved one, no matter how old they are, like it's, it's a process that continues. It's, it's not like it's just, Oh, you're done now. Oh it, yeah, it for sure. continues. And yeah. um, it's, it's not like even the grief, like I saw something a while back, I'm on a lot of mental health groups and they mentioned that you know, it's not like the grief gets smaller and smaller. It's just the the support around it and the space around it gets bigger and bigger. And I thought that was a really neat way to look at it. You're just able to get further and further expanded out from it. It doesn't ever actually just be done. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. How do you think that has... Um, affected you besides getting on the antidepressants, which I think was a very wise move. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What, what else do you, do you feel like was uh, helpful or even essential in going through the loss of a, a, such a close um, loved one that really unexpectedly. Well, yeah, that, and then having a, a baby, um, yeah. He wasn't quite a newborn anymore, so that helped because at that point he was sleeping longer at night, so I wasn't a zombie anymore. But I really, I I kind of just felt dead inside for a long time. It was like either sadness or nothingness. And the few times that I felt okay were taking care of my my baby and feeding him and cuddling with him and he smiled at me and he he really really kept me (laughs) sane um and even he was very helpful for other people too because I remember um at my sister's funeral we were passing the baby around and everybody was taking a turn holding the baby because he was the one tiny little source of joy in this massive tragedy that we're all experiencing And so other than that, um, I tried to just let myself feel my feelings. I didn't try to, I mean, part of me kind of tried to rationalize my feelings instead of feel them because I do that a lot in general, but I I tried to just natural way to do exactly rationalize it. I, yeah, I, I, I did a lot of that, but I tried to just allow myself to like feel what I was feeling when I was feeling it and let that be okay. And you know, sometimes if you want to change that, you can get out of the house and go do something. But sometimes you just have to sit in it. And I did a lot of sitting in it and um, processing and 
I kind of went down a rabbit hole of um, kind of spiritual ideas about the afterlife and stuff like that, partly because it was entertaining at the time and partly because it gave me some kind of comfort knowing that like that doesn't mean she's gone forever out of all existence so Mm -hmm. I I felt comfort knowing that you know life on earth is just a blip compared to whatever else is out there and um, another cute little story is that she really loved butterflies and every time even to this day and it's been three years but every time I'm like having a nice time outside with my kids a butterfly will fly out of nowhere across my um, view and then disappear so little things like that um, I take it as a sign that everything's okay and that you know we don't understand why life is the way it is sometimes but we just have to kind of take it one one breath at a time you know find the little things that bring you even an ounce of joy and soak them in Mm. I think that's similar to um, you know any grief or any depression but especially in the postpartum period when your life is really limited by sleep schedules and breastfeeding and stuff. It kind of makes your world a lot smaller. So if you can find something in your tiny world that brings you peace and do that every day, you should do that. For me, it was like making Earl Grey tea every morning and sitting on the couch Mm -hmm. drinking it. That's a good one. And journaling. (laughs) So finding the peace and celebrating the joy that you have. Yes. And not guilting yourself if you're grieving for longer than you think is acceptable because grief lasts a long time and there's no timeline. Just like postpartum, postpartum is forever. And there's no six-week mark that means you're okay now. Um, So just go with the ebbs and flows. You know, if you're feeling sad, it's okay to feel sad. If you're feeling happy, you don't have to feel guilty about being happy, even though something bad happened. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a a beautiful way to look at it and um, helpful, very helpful way to look at it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the idea of finding something in the day that brings you peace or joy. You know, the Earl Grey tea, that's a great idea. Um, journaling is a great idea. Maybe taking a walk. Is... Yes, taking a walk is something I did after my first son. And I would go for like a 30 minute to an hour long walk every day. And it just, it was grounding and it felt like it was just enjoyable. It, it's some mm-hmm. something that you can actually just like be in the moment and enjoy. It sounds super simple, but I feel like a lot of the times we're stuck in our heads, or at least I know I'm stuck in my head a lot. So if you have something that makes you be in your body instead of your head and be in this moment instead of the past or the future, then you should hold on to that little ritual that you enjoy and use that to kind of keep you grounded and um, present in your day. 
you know, what's interesting is on the walks, like um, I've even found that with my children, sometimes there'll be things maybe going a little bit awry <laughs> at the house and, and maybe people aren't having the best attitudes or, or, or people are frustrated or uh, just, you know, there's a plethora of issues that might could um, be throughout the day, but there's oftentimes I'll just like, okay, time for a walk. Let's go for a walk. So yeah. everybody throws their shoes on and we go for a walk and it's like a different world. It's just for yeah. some reason, just all going for a walk together, even when it's not a, a more solid, you know, solitary walk and it's a, a group walk. If there's something about it um, that really helps. Yeah. Just going outside. Everything. Yeah. That's something it, I did with my second son a lot is we had a nice little porch swing and sometimes if he wouldn't stop crying for no reason and I couldn't figure it out, I would just step out the front door and he would like instantly be okay. It's like mm-hmm. the the scene change was like shocking enough to make him confused and like stop crying. <laughs> and then he was fine after that. And I actually, um, this is something I picked up from my postpartum doula training, but we call it the postpartum panic practice. So if you are stuck in your house with a newborn on the doing the same thing every day like it's groundhog day and you can't handle it for one more second go outside take your shoes off put your bare feet in the grass and look at the sky and just take like three big breaths and after that Mm -hmm. I promise you'll feel even a little bit better and you can go back in (laughs) and do your thing with your baby but going outside is that's yeah that's a great practice yeah also, I forgot to mention, you should put your baby down somewhere safe before you do that. <laughs> Obviously, stick your baby in a I little I feel like that was understood, play. but yes. Exactly. But, you know, you know, you don't have to take your baby outside if you need a break. It's okay. It's okay to go out I, there all by yourself. I remember doing that with my first once. Like, she was just crying and crying and it didn't matter what I did. There's nothing. And I did not have a good support system at all at that point in time I'm my husband but that was it he was working a whole lot and I was at my wit's end and I was like what do I do what do I do and I just set her down in her crib she's still screaming and crying and I'm like that's okay and I walked outside and I just stood out in the sun for a moment because I was just like I have to just walk away for a moment yes and that's and exactly I didn't even what know. somebody should do in that moment I think that's something that we all should know is okay like, it's way better to put your baby down and walk away than it is to stay there and get increasingly more and more frustrated because mm-hmm. you don't want to snap, you know, no. and your baby's already been crying. So one more minute in their crib isn't going to hurt. And it's going to be better if you just like take one minute to feel the skin on the, the sun on your skin and recharge for a minute. Yes. I didn't even know that's what I needed, but that's what I did. <laughs> Yeah, your body knew. <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah, so that's that's neat. So after I had my first son, I discovered that postpartum doulas existed. And I was like, oh, my gosh, if I had one of those, who knows what I could have been like. Like, I could have been so much more at ease and confident with myself. But it's too mm-hmm. late now kind of <laughs> feeling. But I kind of decided that I wanted to do that someday because I had gone through a very hard time and I felt like if I could survive that and come out on the other side as a whole person again that maybe I could help other people do that 
And mm-hmm. having another baby and having a good experience that time kind of solidified to me that, yeah, I can do that. I can have a baby and not sink to rock bottom. I can help other people prevent that or pull them out of rock bottom together. I love that. As you were talking about that too, I was thinking back, you know, years and years ago, I think that would have been the natural thing to happen. Like whether it was siblings that would come alongside or whether it was, you know, um, cousins or people in your community or whatever, like everybody knew when you had a baby, like, oh, you need some helpers now. And they would send, and I know some families that still do that. They'll send, uh, they'll send somebody, even if it's not in the, in the same country though, like, oh, they're having a baby. We're sending somebody Yeah, and she's going to stay with them for the first, you know, 40 days or something and, and be a, a mama's helper, you know, the whole time. And I think our culture has just got really away from that. And we have this whole mindset and especially here in Texas that, you know, just pick up your bootstraps and go on and you oh, can yeah. do it. And, and, you know, you you need to be this Island and you, you be tough and do it yourself and, you know, all of that. And, and that's, that's not helpful to yeah. anyone. And we need each other. It's, yeah. we're well, and it's like biologically together. normal for us to gather and support yes. each other. But our world isn't set up that way. We go to work, we go to school, we come home, we go to bed. And unless you're like trying really hard to cultivate something on purpose, you're not going to like find a big group of women to help you on accident. Or you're not going to just have a village that you live in, which you have to be intentional and create that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I wish it was the other way around. (laughs) Me too. I really do. And maybe, maybe we can get back to that. That would be amazing. At some point, if enough people wake up to, you know, understanding the value of that and, and really cherishing that postpartum time. I think it's a time that really gets kind of pushed aside um, in our in our culture. And we don't value setting it up well. We don't value those that are in, in that transitional um, period and come alongside and help them. And, and we don't understand what's going on. And we I say we as the general population doesn't have the resources to really do it well. So what you're doing is trying to, you know, set this up as this, this should be the norm and try to encourage others in, in perpetuating this type of care to go forward with. Yeah, exactly. Once my son was old enough, I was, so ready to dive in and actually really help people and it really I think it it like healed me some more (laughs) and I don't mean that to say like I'm doing all this just to heal myself but it's like it's fulfilling it's not it doesn't feel like a job it feels like community and connection with people yeah and we need that yes yeah, I, I definitely see how, how doing that type of work would be so fulfilling. And, you know, any any anybody that gets into any type of servant work, 
um, which is what that type of work is. It, it comes from a place of caring and love and wanting to support and recognizing the value of the support. And I think that's just because we intrinsically know that that is what's needed. And so then we see this role that we're fulfilling. And of course, that's going to bring joy and fulfillment to us. Yeah. And it's, it's more to me also, because a lot of the stuff that a postpartum doula does is, you know, other people can do that too. Like you can have a babysitter, come watch your kids. You can have a house cleaner, come clean your house. You can have a um, massage therapist, come rub your legs and your back. I can do all that. And I see you as a human being having a transformative experience and hold space for your feelings. And you can cry on my shoulder and we can figure out how to bathe your baby together and Mm. all of the above. (laughs) Well, you just, you just did that for us for a little bit, just kind of going through that, but could you maybe dive into a little bit more? So if somebody was to hire you as a postpartum doula, what does that look like exactly? And I know I'm sure it changes from whether it's like immediate postpartum or, you know, a two week old to a a four week old, that's actually going to look pretty different. I would think. Yeah. But what, what would that look like? Mama just had her baby and she's looking to hire a postpartum doula. Would she talk to you then or would she actually call you when she's pregnant? Well, it could be either one. Um, and it looks different depending on the family, of course. So if it's somebody's first baby, a lot of my support is going to be educational. What is normal newborn behavior, um, breastfeeding support, postpartum healing, but then also a lot of listening to her feelings and processing her birth together and affirming her and her motherly instincts. Sometimes we don't think we know how to take care of our baby because we read too many articles online that tell us we're doing it wrong. Um, And for other people that are maybe having their fourth baby and I'm their doula, um, it can look a lot like entertaining the older kids so the mom can get some rest with a new baby and bond with a new baby, Um, making sure everybody has eaten breakfast, lunch. Um, And I can also do, I don't call it massage because I'm not a massage therapist, but I like to help people heal with comforting touch. So a lot of times people are sore and exhausted after they have a baby. So just like a foot rub, a leg rub, um, just kind of like relaxing together, you know, I, I, my goal when I come to somebody's house is to, um, leave with the house looking better than it was when I came in and with the mom feeling refreshed and optimistic and supported. And that looks different every single time. Mm. Yeah, because we're all individuals. Yeah. So what what one needs, you know, the other may need in a different way or need something completely different. So, yeah, for sure. I, I think, think a lot beautiful. of it is being able to read the room and kind of tell um, when someone has something they need to talk about and like release or sometimes they just need to sleep. You know, I walk in the door, they give me their baby and they say good night. And I'm like, I'll see you in four hours. <laughs> I will take care of mm-hmm. all of this and you can get your rest because that's essential to having 
um, good mental health postpartum is not being sleep deprived. If you can help that. Oh, a nap can be a cure for many things. Exactly. <laughs> I'm the nap <laughs> queen. Really I walk in and you know, there's sleep coming soon. Yay. Yay. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, I love that you have that the, I mean, really, I feel like you've just been really called to this work and you found your kind of niche in this work. And, uh, I haven't seen you working in the postpartum, but I've seen you working as a, as a labor doula. And I can absolutely imagine what a calming presence you are in the postpartum and so helpful. Cause I've seen you work, um, during birth and just such a sweet, calming, confident, and like you said, reading the room, like really knowing your client and being able to, to really see maybe what they're struggling with or what they're needing help with. And just doing that in such a way that it's just seamless. And I just want to commend you for really, I mean, you are like one of the best doulas I have ever seen because oh, thank you. how you do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's beautiful. And I know like, like I can just imagine the presence that you bring to the postpartum, especially for a stressed out mom who is, is just tired and needs a nap and maybe has other kids and, and she's tired and she's trying to get these things done. And I'm sure the house I've been I'm describing myself before I've been there <laughs> and it's just, you know, the house is dirty and the kids need fed and you're tired and you just need sleep because the baby was cranky all night last night and, and you didn't hardly get a wink because they just wanted to nurse all night long and you just have this time. And, and if you walked into my house like I can just imagine the presence that you bring when you walk into the home and the peace and the calm that comes with you. And I just, I love that you're able to provide that for mamas. And I'm so thankful to be able to recommend you to mamas because I think you, you bring so much to the table and it's, 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 you have fulfilled the calling very well. Well, thank you so much. Sometimes I have imposter syndrome, so that's nice to hear. Um, sometimes I have to remind myself that, um, you know, cleaning and tidying aside, like the most important thing that I want to give to people is presence and just like being human with you, you know, like sometimes I'm the only other adult <laughs> these moms talk to before their husbands come home from work at 7 p.m. So I think just my goal is to just make my clients feel seen and heard and held in their experience as much as I can. Mm. And sometimes it, it makes me think of seeing and hearing and holding my 19 year old self and giving her a big old hug. Oh, yeah. Because that's what we all want, right? We all want right. to feel seen and heard and, and like, you know, what we have to say is important and that we're valued and, you know, we can. And normal and not crazy. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And a hug. And a hug. Yes. <laughs> and a hug. Yes, absolutely. Well, That's one of my um, favorite perks is um, 
pretty much every single one of my clients asks me about something. It could be about themselves. It could be about their baby. They're always like, is this normal? And I'm like, a thousand percent yes. You are not mm-hmm. weird. You're not messed up. You're totally normal. <laughs> and everything is okay. <laughs> yes. And I'm sure that gives them such a big relief. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's hard because if you go and Google or, or which, you know, a lot of people do, they'll go look on a Facebook group or they'll go on Google and you'll hear all these different loud voices at you. Mm-hmm. And you just need a calming voice to tell you this is okay. Yes. So I'm so glad that you're providing that. Um, can, You want to tell the listeners where they can find you at? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at the full circle doula. Um facebook as well um if you type in the full circle doula you will see me pop up it says birth and postpartum care in abilene texas um i also have a little website it's um the full circle doula dot square dot site so it's kind of a mouthful but i loved the name (laughs) that i came up with so much that i decided to run with it i feel like like it, it it portrays the image i'm going for you know it feels like whole and complete and I just liked it. So <laughs> I like it a lot. Well, I'll make sure in the show notes to link for everybody um, so that they can just go look at the show notes and click and, and they can find you. And I encourage everyone to, to follow um, her on Instagram and, and, and see what Rachel, you know, is doing. She, she, a lot of times will also post things that are just real educational for, for you listeners out there. So, um, do that. And if you happen to be in the Abilene area and needing some birth or postpartum help, please reach, reach out to Rachel, because I know that she would be an asset, a a wonderful person for you to have, um, as part of your support team. So I just encourage you to do so. And, um, Rachel, any final thoughts, words that you'd like to impart on the listeners? Hmm. I have like 15 cheesy phrases that just popped in my head, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I, I guess I just want to say that nobody's ever alone. And if you're having a hard time, there are people out there who would love to help you no matter what it is you're going through. Um, so find your village. Thank you for listening. May you be encouraged and strengthened by what you've heard today. Remember, you are dearly loved by your Creator, so be who He created you to be. May you go in peace, friends. Till next time, Shalom.